0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Sersasimo, and today you are... Listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Now we're going to get into kind of a steady stream of tournaments that we're going into right now. We're going to recap Antwerp and we're going to recap... Moscow and then coming up next is Vienna and we'll talk about that and St. Petersburg and then there's some other things that we're going to chat about in today's episode including some news and really the race to Italy the race for the ATP finals and there's some other things we might get to we might wait until next week they're not as urgent to get to today but uh we'll roll with it first off let's start in Antwerp now Antwerp is an ATP 250 event that is in Antwerp, Belgium. It's called the European Open. And in this tournament, it's it's not a real stacked field. It wasn't a real stacked field. And these tournaments happen so fast. I mean, last week when I recorded this was like not even happening, and now it's already over, and that's a week later. So at least these 250s they do happen quite fast I mean they only have 32 people in it so you already are going you know there's only four rounds to it essentially and they can play that four to five days in a row and so these tournaments sometimes don't even last a week but there were this was a very young crowd. Um, let's I mean I'm gonna just gonna name some of the youngsters that were in this tournament Tiafo de manure you have uh, Brooksby Opelka, Lloyd Harris um, Stroof. And then you get up towards the top, and there's a little older. uh, Musetti was in this, and then Yannick Sinner. So number one seed in this tournament was Yannick Sinner, which Yannick Sinner is now a top 10 player. But the top seeds in this tournament, it wasn't a massive tournament when it comes to names. Um, which can be expected when you get into a ring of 250 tournaments, especially right now. Some of these other players don't necessarily need to play in them, nor do they really want to be traveling all over the world, but I'm not going to take anything away from Yannick Sinner. Yannick Sinner actually ends up winning this tournament. I think he's special. Um, I've told you that a hundred times before. I think he's special, and I think a lot of other people think he's such a special player. Now, Jensen Brooksby made another big push in this tournament. He beat Opelka in the first round, made it all the way to play Diego Schwartzman in the semis, and lost 6-4, 6-0, and then Schwartzman, surprisingly lost 6'262 6-2 to Sinner in the Antwerp final. Now I thought this was pretty surprising to be honest, considering how good Schwartzman is, but it looks like Yannick Sinner pretty much dominated him in that final. But Jensen Brooksby, a youngster out of the United States, he was a qualifier into this tournament, played really well. I thought he was playing well at the U.S. Open in 2019 when he kind of burst onto the scene, but God, he reburst onto the scene this year, and he is playing pretty. Phenomenal tennis, and I think he's shocking a lot of people. You look back to the U.S. Open, the run he had at the U.S. Open, I think he raised a lot of eyebrows. He ended up playing Novak Djokovic, I believe. And he's brought that into the tournament since then. Indian Wells, he played well. Then he comes over here, comes to Belgium. He plays well here. So I think Brooksby is starting to make a little bit of money, starting to play a little better. And he's starting to have a lot of confidence in himself that maybe next year he won't have to play in as many qualifiers. He'll already get into some of these tournaments because he's playing so well. But let's talk about the winner of this tournament, and that's Yannick Sinner. Yannick Sinner has four titles in 2021. Um, as as he beat Schwartzman in that final, he also has five ATP ATP titles overall, and he is the youngest five time ATP Tour champion since Novak Djokovic, and Novak did it at age 19 in 2007. Yannick Sinner is 20 years old. That just puts you in the that puts you in a mindset of the type of company that this guy's hanging out with when he's winning all these titles and playing so well at such a young age. I think there's a lot of upside for Yannick Sinner, and I won't stop believing that this guy's ceiling is beyond the sky. I think this guy plays so smooth. I think he plays really well. He's kind of like a Medvedev where he's lengthy but can also get to every ball, but he has smooth strokes like Djokovic, right? Djokovic's strokes kind of look so effortless at times, and I think that's the type of guy that Yannick Sinner is, and I think that's the kind of tennis he plays. Now, he's only 19 years old. He's got a lot of time. But I think he's gonna—he's already burst onto the scene. But I think he's gonna really light up some of these next gen, these older next gen players. When you look at, uh, you know, Sferov and Sitsipas and, uh, T- and Tiafo's next gen right now. But you look at some of those players, uh, team. I think he's gonna be a real contender for Grand Slams with those guys, especially after maybe Roger gets out and Rafa doesn't play as many tournaments, and maybe Djokovic, Djokovic as he gets older, starts to pick to ch- pick and choosing the tournaments that he's going to play, I think Yannick Sinner is going to be that next dude. I really do. I think there's some guys right now that could be that next dude, but they're getting a late start because the big three were still there. Yannick Sinner is going to be 23 probably when the big three really starts fading out. The bottom of it does. And he's just going to be getting started and have 10, 15 years left in his career. He could really make a run for, not. I'm not saying 20 plus titles, but I think you know he could really make a run up upwards of over 10 titles uh, when it comes to Grand Slams just because of the talent he has and because of the time he's kind of coming into this sport. So I think there's a lot of upside to this guy. And if you ever get a chance, I would recommend watching Yannick Sinner because he is a special talent. He's fun to watch, and he's just a cool kid to really watch on court. He seems always cool, calm, and collective. No no matter who he's playing, he looks like he's got everything under control, and I think that's what makes him so special, and that's why I just made that bold prediction that I just did. Let's move to Moscow. Now, Moscow is a tournament that actually gets a little bit better field than what was in Antwerp. Now, the number one seed in Moscow was Andrei Rublev. The number two seed was Aslan Karatsev, so two Russians really at the top of this tournament. Now let's look at some of the other top seeds that were in Moscow. You look at Khachanov, also a Russian. Uh, you look at Bublik was in there. He was a 5-seed. Chilich was a 6-seed. So there were some bigger names in this tournament, not massive names, but Moscow is definitely going to get the top Russians other than Medvedev, and it always does every year. But Rublev was upset by Manorino in the second round. He had to buy the first round, gets to the second round, and Manorino beats him in three sets, which – Was honestly kind of shocking because Rublev plays so well, and then when you get him at home in his home country in Moscow, you'd think he'd really take care of business. But Manorino, he's no one to sleep on. You remember he did to Roger Federer at the U.S. or at not the U.S. Open at Wimbledon in the first round, really gave Roger a run for his money before Roger or before he got hurt and Roger moved on in the first round. But Hachov made a good run and. I was really looking forward to seeing one of the Russians play each, both Russians play each other in the final, but uh, Karatsev made the final, and then so did Marin Cilic, which good to see Cilic actually playing really well again, even as he's getting older on the tour. But Karatsev handles Cilic six two six four in this tournament. Now I don't even think Karatsev winning this is the biggest storyline here. I think it's gotta be Rublev. Now I think Rublev is a phenomenal player, and I think a lot of people think he's a really good player. He has powerful strokes. He can control the ball really well, but he just randomly loses, and I think he, he doesn't randomly lose as bad as Shapo does, but he does randomly lose. Such like this. You're in Moscow. You'd think he'd play better against Manorino, but the lefty, Manorino, beats him. He's a wild card, or he wasn't a wild card, but he wasn't even seated in this tournament. Manorino wasn't, and he beats Rublev in the second round, especially after Rublev it's a first round bye. Now, I don't want to speak for Rublev, but I think sometimes it can be hard to, you know, travel all the time. He was just playing in uh he was in the Labor Cup and then he comes over here and he play or and then he plays in Indian Wells and then he comes over and plays in this tournament not too long afterwards, but that's part of the business and I would just like him to be I would like to see not like him, I'm not his coach, but I would like to see him be a little bit more consistent and it would be good to see him play more consistently better and make more runs at more tournaments. Cause I think he has the talent to do that. And I think he knows he has the talent to do that. And I think a lot of people in the tennis world know that he has, knows that he has the talent to do that. He just struggles sometimes and just can't make it over that hump. It seems at times. And it's frustrating. It really, really is. Um, I would love to see him do something special at one of these tournaments, uh, especially one of the bigger tournaments like a Masters 1000 or a, you know, even win a Grand Slam because I think he has the capability to. But he just can't seem to get over that hump, and I think losing early in this tournament kind of highlights what exactly I'm talking about in that. And hopefully, 2022 brings a better Rublev. Now speaking of Rublev, he is the one seed in St. Petersburg which is this week, the following week after Moscow. That is St. Petersburg also an ATP 250 and this this tournament actually has some good players playing in it as well. Rublev is obviously the one seed. Shapo is the two seed. Three seeds, Bautista, Agut. Karatsev's the four seed. That tells you the power of this tournament. Then you go Fritz, Hachinov, Bublik, and Korda. So there's some power in this tournament, and I think it's going to be a little bit better test for Rublev. I would love to see Andre Rublev win this tournament, if not make it really far, because that's exactly what I'm talking about, is once you get into some of these tournaments, I'd like to see him play a little bit better. I'd also love to see Denis Shapovalov Play really well in this tournament. He's really struggled this year, especially at the end of 2021. This would be a perfect time for him to mil- really make a run, and I think it's time for him to do that. Who's who might be in his way? You may ask. Let's look. Let's look. He has. He's the number two seed in this tournament, so he could run into Stroof or Bublik, or he could run into Karatsev or Taylor Fritz in the later rounds. But uh, in the third round, he could run into Struuf or Bublik, and then. In the semis, he could run into Karatsev or Fritz, and Fritz is playing really well. Obviously, Karatsev just won Moscow, so I think those are guys that could definitely beat Shapo, but Shapo can beat anybody on any, any given day. It's just unfortunate that a lot of other players can beat Chapo on any given day just because sometimes he's so night and day. So, St. Petersburg, that's up next. That's actually happening right now. What else is happening right now is an ATP 500. Now, this is obviously going to get some names in it, and this one is in Vienna. Vienna, Austria. It's the Erste Bank Open. This one is always a big deal. I feel like whenever I hear about Vienna in this tournament, it's always such a large deal, and it's in Austria, which is the home of Dominic Team. Now, he's not playing this year. Obviously, he's got the wrist problems, but it's always a big deal when Team gets to play in this tournament because he wants to win his home tournament. It's kind of like Geneva and Roger Federer. Now, this tournament has some powerhouses in it. You look at the one seed in this tournament, or top five at least seeds in this tournament. Sitsipas is the one seed. Alexander is the two seed. Bertini's the three seed. Casper Ruud is the four seed. Hercoc is the five seed. FAA, Felix ogier seems the six seed. Yannick Sinner, who just won... In Antwerp is the 7th seed and Diego Schwartzman's the 8th seed. This is the most powerful tournament in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Indian Wells was a big tournament, but the names in this tournament are massive. And this is really the time to make a run, if you're Hurkacz or Sinner, to really try to get into that top 8 and make it to the ATP Finals. Now, I already know some of the results of this tournament because... This tournament's already started when I'm recording this podcast. But Andy Murray beat Hercotch, which is a massive win for Murray and a bad loss for Hercotch because now Hercotch is hurting his chances to make it to the ATP Finals. And Alcaraz, um, he beat Daniel Evans, which is a massive win for Alcaraz, I think. Um, some other results in this. Looks like Damon one. won. He could possibly be playing Sverev in the second round. But other than that, really not a lot of matches have been played in this. A first-round match to watch, though. Check out this first-round match. Two of these first-round matches. Grigor Dimitrov, unseated, plays Stefano Sitsipas first round. Sitsipas could very well be out first round in this tournament. Probably won't be, but very well could because of the talent he's playing. And then you look at Gael Monfis, unseated, Gael Monfis plays wild card Lorenzo Musetti. Fognini plays Schwartzman first round. Casper uh, Rude plays Lloyd Harris. I mean, this tournament's stacked and I'm excited to watch this tournament uh, from afar, but Vienna always brings out big names, and big names are always in Vienna. We'll catch you up on this tournament next week on this podcast when a little bit more is said and done, but hey, maybe Yannick is going to keep playing well and play well into this tournament and really make a push. This week, two things could come true that I'm saying. One, Andre Rublev could play really well in St. Petersburg, and Yannick Sinner, number two, could keep playing well, and make a huge run in Vienna and beat a lot of really good players, as he now is in the conversation for the ATP Finals as well. Now that we're talking about it, we might as well go down the rankings of the ATP right now. Number one is Novak Djokovic. Number two is Daniil Medvedev. Number three is Stefano Tsitsipas. Number four is farev Number five is Nadal. Number six is Andre Rublev. Number seven is Berrettini. Number eight is Kaspar Ruud. Number nine is Dominic Team. And number 10 is Herkoc. Yannick Sinner moves all the way up to 11. He's knocking on the doorstep. Herkoc losing today to Murray is not good for him sitting at the ten spot if Yannick Sinner keeps playing well. FAA and Shapo are 12 and 13. So that's kind of the race for the ATP finals. Now, number 15 is Roger Fetter and Roger Fenner kind of has a lot of stacked up points from last year. And that brings me into what I want to talk about next is since the COVID year, some points have been getting stacked just because um, it was a COVID year, right? So you can't take points away from pe- people that, you know, don't want to play because of COVID stuff like that. Well, do you remember Holger rune who played Novak Djokovic really well at the U.S. Open? You remember him? He spoke out against the ATP continuing to bring over points from years past because of COVID into this year. Now, he pretty much was he was pretty much saying now Rune, this comes from Jose Margado, who is the he's a sports he's a tennis beat writer in Portugal, and he comments on it and says uh Rune would easily be a top one hundred player without the frozen ranking, and this would help him make the Aussie open main draw. But he talks about how tough it is for young players. Now, Holger Rune put this on Instagram, and here's what it says. He goes, you know, guys, that I am a hardworking man and I normally never complain. This year, I have fought very hard to achieve my goals becoming top 100. ATP has continuously made it very difficult for me and many other young upcoming players because they have had... a frozen ranking from 2019, meaning players on the ATP ranking still have their points from results made in 2019, no matter the results in 2020 or 2021. Looking two years back on the normal ranking, I would today be ranked 62 in the world and not 124. Does it matter? Yes. When you're ambitious and hardworking, it matters to get your reward. With that ranking, I would be able to enter better tournaments and have and I would feel that my hard work paid off. I feel tired and angry now because I think the system is unfair. I love my tennis, but we have to compete on an equal conditions. Now, I totally get what Rune's saying here, and I think it really hurts some of these younger players trying to get into the top that he would be 62 right now. Yes, he would be able to get into bigger tournaments. He wouldn't have to play as much qualifiers, and he would be able to make more money. It's really putting a hold on some of these players not being able to make more money and to get into bigger tournaments and it's also handicapping other or it's helping others when it comes to they haven't played in a few years but they're still ranked high so they still can just come right out and play in these big tournaments. I totally get what Rune's saying. That sucks. That is tough for especially a lot of up and coming players where we need up and coming players in this right now because the the top is so controlling of the sport. You look at the top 10, top 20, they control this sport unwaveringly. And you look during COVID, look at guys like uh, Djokovic, and I believe, um, you know, Dominic Team talked on this, uh, where I, I Rafa might have talked on this as well. I think I'm getting those guys right. But they talked about how, you know, they have all this money, and they still make all this money and can make all this money. But these younger players during COVID need to play to make money, and they just can't. And they kind of the unbalance and it's a sport where you have to win to win money but the, the imbalance in the financial um, capabilities of these players and some players can have five guys on their teams other ones are making it pretty much paycheck te- paycheck to paycheck tournament to tournament traveling the world so that's kind of what Rune is touching on here and I, I kind of agree with it I think you know now that vaccines are more readily available and tennis players seem to just not care about the vaccines. Not, I I shouldn't say that there's a lot of players who aren't vaccinated. I think we're at like 50, 50 some percent of players vaccinated, which is very, very low. Um, considering other professional sports, I think it's now time to pull that and not let players just back out because of that. Now I also get COVID still a real thing. I'm not undermining that at all, but it is, as more, I mean, pretty much most all players are playing in tournaments because tournaments are tanki- taking the proper safety precautions. I think it's time to really pull that and let some of these younger players play to their capability. I really do. Other things that happened this week, uh, kind of last week ish, Rafa has 6,000 weeks, days, sorry, 6,000 days in the top 10. I don't even know what to say to that because that's unbelievable. Rafa is playing unbelievable even in his older age um and he still is in the top 10 he didn't play for a while this year and he's still in the top 10 what's that tell you about it and I don't even think that has a lot to do with the frozen rankings necessarily but I mean maybe he'd be the back of the top 10 but that's how good he plays in the tournaments he does play in still I don't think I have anything else for this episode. It's all done. Uh, Coming up next week, we'll talk a little Davis Cup. We'll talk about a little Aussie Open. There's some big things coming on. And we'll obviously talk about St. Petersburg and Vienna and see if I was right about what I was saying. Um, If you want to reach out to me, any topics, anything you want to chat about, let me know at Jacob Sersosimo, both on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to reach out to Believe, you can reach out at Believe Podcasts. Obviously, thanks for listening. I appreciate it watch some tennis this week. It's Vienna. It's St. Petersburg, Davis cup around the corner, Australian open drama ATP finals is coming around the world team. Tennis is coming around a lot of good things to look forward to as we near the end of October. I appreciate you listening. Take care. Thanks.